your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Retirement Matters. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Michael Stewart. He is the founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial with an office in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Find him online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Or you can reach out and give the office a call at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. Michael has his MBA in finance and is a registered financial consultant. And Crystal Lake is a one-stop shop with a CPA, enrolled agent, and paralegal all on staff. They can help you when it comes to any and all things financial and any retirement matters, which that's what we're going to be diving into, as always, on the podcast today, your retirement. Michael, you've got about two decades of doing this, and so we're excited to see what kind of wisdom you'll share with us today. Oh, and by the way, we're still in December as the time of this recording, but hey, when you're listening to this, it's New Year's, so happy 2019, everyone. Happy advanced new year to you as well. Yes, indeed. Looking forward to 2019. A lot of interesting topics and things to cover on the podcast. We've got some great things planned. So stay tuned in the coming weeks and months. We'll have more editions of Retirement Matters coming out. We're looking forward to that as always. But before we can get to any of that, we've got today's podcast to talk about. Let us dive in. Michael, as you remember, the fall of 2018 was... Well, a roller coaster ride, right? In the market, even in the month of December, had some dips and rises. I mean, it's just kind of all over the place. And so I've found that during that time, you have a lot of folks saying, this is it. The crash is coming. And then other folks say, oh, it's not a big deal. We were due for a slight correction. So is the crash coming? Is it imminent? I mean, are we going to fall off the edge in 2019 or are we going to keep going up? I mean, how do you know who's right? Yeah, Deutsche Bank just actually came out with a paper in the past few weeks that talked about the 70 asset classes. Now, you know, I honestly think there's probably about six or seven asset classes, the main ones. But what they did was they kind of dug down and said, okay, there's asset classes, you know, stocks, bonds, commodities, those things, sub asset classes, industries, all, you know, so that's how they came up with 70. So nonetheless, their report just came out and said of the 70 asset classes, looking at the performance in 2018, and we're almost done with the month when we're recording this here. So for 2018, they were saying that this is one of the worst years since 1929 that we've had this many asset classes kind of trading in the negative. Everything as of this recording is primarily negative. The S&P is down for the year. The, the Dow Jones is down for the year. Bonds from a principal value are down for the year. International markets are down double digits. So, you know, there hasn't been really a safe place to hide. So, of course, who comes out of the woodwork are what we call the perma bears, you know, the permanent bears that the sky is always falling, the market's right around to crash around the corner. You know, and the reality is that someday they'll be right. You know, whether that's in three weeks or three years, something's going to happen and they're going to pound the table and said, look, I was right. But in the meantime, what did you miss out on? You know, did you miss out on four straight years up of the market or, you know, much like even with recent volatility and being flat for the, this year? And, you know, by being a perma bear, did you miss out on that nine year bull run we just came out of off the bottoms of 09? So more importantly, then, is a crash right around the corner? More so is do you have a financial plan so that you're taking the amount of risk that you need to? in good markets or bad to stick with that plan. So that way you don't have to be headline watching or wondering what the president's next tweet's gonna be or what's gonna happen with tariffs. Instead, 
You develop a plan with your advisor, you stick with it in good markets and bad because it's designed to give you long-term success and then everything else is just noise. So instead of trying to predict the next mechanation or movement of the market up or down over the course of the next day, month or quarter, focus on the plan. Start with the plan, identify your goals, and then that'll determine the amount of risk you take. So even if the market does roll over, if you had the right amount of risk in your portfolio for your plan, then your long-term plan is still going to be solid. You know, so that's how I would dress it. Rather than kind of worrying about what's going to happen in the next three months, I would revisit my plan. And if you got a little shaky with what went on in the fourth quarter here, you know, with, you know, it took 10 months for the market to get up about 10% and then 10 days for it to give back all those gains. If that made you a little uneasy, then consider that a fire drill and you may want to revisit your plan because you're probably taking more risk than you need to. Now, I met with a marriage counselor, and I promise this is relevant to this conversation, as I mentioned, a marriage counselor. <laughs> but back before I got married, I met with a marriage counselor, and he talked about how in marriage you've got these high highs, and then you've got these seasons of lows, which I'm just getting into marriage, so I'm sure I've still got a ways away from encountering some of that. But you've got these highs, and you've got these lows. And he says, throughout, try to stay steady. I mean, don't get caught up in them so that you're on this roller coaster. Try to kind of stay the course and stay steady in your marriage. And I think you can look at your finances that way, you know, rather than riding those highs and looking for the next big golden ticket when it comes to an investment or on the other hand, that mentality of this is it, this is the end, we're all done for. I mean, rather than getting caught up in that, have a plan that's going to help you stay steady Eddie throughout that market roller coaster ride that is Wall Street. So, there, I said it. It related. Story related. <laughs> um, Having so, been married 23 years, that is great advice, uh, both <laughs> not only for the market, but also for the marriage as well. <laughs> Glad we could bring that into the show and tie it in today. Oh, boy. Well, let us now dive into the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. As always, we love to hear from you. 2019 is no different. We plan on continuing to take your email questions that come in. So please submit a question to us. You can go online to Michael's website. That is crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. This week's question or this podcast question comes to us from Bert. Bert is in Barrington and Bert says, we inherited several investments a while back and decided to sell them when we thought the market was pretty high. But now we have all this cash, more than $200,000, and we're not really sure what to do with it. It doesn't seem like I should put it in stocks. What would you recommend? Well, Bert, congratulations on the inheritance that you have or however you receive the funds. What I would say is that, you know, I wouldn't beat yourself up about it. And whether the market continued to go higher or went down, no one ever went broke taking a profit. So if you thought the market was high and the investments that you brought in did what you needed them to do, then there's no harm in selling them. You locked in your gains, you know exactly where you are. And then it's time to kind of step back and much like your question here, Bert, is to figure out, okay, what's our next step? And then what I would do is, you know, should you put them in stocks right now? Probably not. Even with the recent pullback, things are still a little overvalued. You know, but what I would do is, and we kind of sound like a broken record sometimes on the podcast, because we really emphasize the plan. So what's your plan, Bert? So you now have $200,000 sitting around. What percentage of your assets does it represent? How are the other assets invested? Do you already have stocks? So now you don't need to add more to that. Are you underweight stocks and you really need some longer term growth potential? What's the purpose of this money? Do you need that $200,000 to generate and supplement your income? Or is it really five, 10 year money from now that's going to help you with the kid's college or retirement or what have you? 
you know, that all begins with a plan. And I, I mentioned on the last podcast too, you know, you always start with the plan. The plan identifies the goals. What's the purpose of the money? Who's the money for and what's it for? And then that determines what you do with it. You know, our industry is so kind of ass backward a little bit that what they wind up doing is say, you sit down with somebody and they say, I got a great investment idea for you. It's like, well, I haven't even told you what I'm looking for, you know? And so it's a cart before the horse kind of thing. You know, in our practice, we say, you know, we don't have any ideas for you in the first meeting. What we want to do is find out what's the purpose of the money. Is it for you? Is it for leaving a legacy? Is it for income? Is it for growth? And then what are we doing with the other resources you have available? And then Bert, that allows you to say, hey, it makes perfect sense to do this. Even if doing this means nothing, just keep it in the bank. It makes perfect sense to do this with that $200,000 because now it's tied to something larger than just kind of bouncing back and forth between investments. Well, thanks, Bert, for writing in. As always, if you'd like to get more specific advice that's more unique to your situation, we encourage you to reach out and call Michael and the team. That number is 815-526-3092. All right, as we enter 2019, Michael, you might be listening and saying to yourself, this is the year that I'm finally going to get financially organized, I'm going to get with a good advisor, and I'm going to start planning this retirement journey. Now, as you go to sit down and start vetting potential candidates to be your advisor, you want to make sure that you can spot a bad one. So that's what we're going to show you how to do today on the podcast. We're going to tell you how to spot a bad advisor and make sure that you stay away from them and work with the good ones, right? So bad sign number one, if your advisor has a one-size-fits-all approach to retirement, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah, this could really come in two different ways. So one is a business model one. So one would be a, a captive agent. You know, you work for the local bank. He or she works for, you know, one of the big name advisory firms or, you know, brokerage firms that's out there. And the reason why that could potentially be a problem, it's not that they're not great people, but it's what they call a captive business model. And the captive business model means that they have limited arrows in their quiver. The only solutions they can give you are from the limited amount that the company allows them to have. So if there are, you know, 3,000 mutual fund companies out there, just to throw a random number out there, if there's 3,000 different types of mutual fund companies out there and they only deal with five, then your options are limited to those five. Or if they're working with insurance companies and there's 100 plus insurance companies in the world, then they only work with five, then you only get the products of those five. So the reason that that's a problem is, do you really have the full universe of investment options available to you that are going to make the most sense and maybe have lower fees and maybe the right risk parameters that you want? Or do you just have to kind of shop from this smaller bucket? You know, and so that can be not quite beneficial to your circumstances. This is the second way the one size fits all approach, which is actually a lot more common is that certain individuals, they just like to sell certain things. So if you are 30, you're going in this, you know, 80% stock, 20% bond portfolio. If you are 60, you're going in this 80% stock, 20% bond portfolio. So that, you know, they don't see a differentiator or find out enough information about you to make a custom recommendation. What they do is it's that one size fits all. I fell in love with this product, this fund, whatever it happens to be, and everybody needs to be in it. Well, that's not the way it really works. You know, so the questions I would ask is, you know, how many arrows in their quiver? Could they buy or sell anything? I know when I started our practice, I've been a financial planner almost 20 years. And 10 years ago this year, it's been 10 years since I opened my own independent advisory and tax practice. And really, it's because I wanted to make sure that we have all the options on the table. 
for our clients. Any fund we want to purchase, we have access to. Any stock we want to purchase, we have access to. Any fixed income, any insurance products, whatever it is, it's what makes the most sense for our client, not just what our firm is willing to sell. So I definitely worry about the one-size-fits-all approach because it really limits clients' options. Another bad sign you need to be on the lookout for is if your advisor is always in sales mode. Why is that a problem? It's a problem, and it's really one of the reasons why people actually hate going to see, you know, an advisor or, God forbid, a broker, you know, that's commission-based or something, is that, first of all, you know, they don't want to look stupid. They understand that there's a lot of things about investing most people don't know. So a lot of times they'll get in front and an advisor's trying to, you know, impress them with all their Wall Street jargon and acronyms and charts and all these things, and it just goes right over the client's head, and, you know, so it's an uncomfortable situation already because they're going in feeling that they're at a disadvantage because they don't know what they don't know. And the second part of that is that the advisor always tends to be in that sales mode. And that sales mode means that rather than come and get educated, find out a little bit more about you, what you're trying to do, really make it a process that is going to benefit the client. When the client's walking through the door, they've already sized them up. The broker's already sized them up and says, hey, you know what? Once they're done talking about their kids and their grandkids and that, here's what I'm going to sell them. So they're already digging in, pulling out brochures, pulling out other stuff. So when the person's sitting at their desk or their conference table, the broker's just waiting to get through the pleasantry so we can show them the next greatest investment idea. The reason that's a problem, and that's really just the sales mode part of it, is that the broker's goal at this point is, how do I get a sale at the end of this meeting? Instead of, how do I do right by the client, find out what they need, and then, if it makes sense, I'll know what they need so I can present a suitable solution for them. And unfortunately, our industry doesn't work that way. Our industry is, you know, eat what you kill. And that means when they walk in the door, they get, you know, you don't get paid unless they buy something. And that's what I like about our practice. So we're a fee-based practice, which means that, you know, we don't get these huge commissions when you buy a mutual fund or trade stocks or anything. We get a small fee on an annual basis for not only making the appropriate recommendations on the front end for you, but servicing you and guiding you along the way throughout that plan that we discussed. So, you know, always be wary that if the very first meeting, somebody's got a great sales idea for you because they can't possibly know enough about you to actually give you a suitable recommendation. The analogy of that would be, you know, going into a doctor and the doctor hands you, as soon as you walk in, says, oh, I heard you got a cough. Here, take these, pay on the way out. It's like, well, you didn't even look at me. You didn't even find out what's wrong with me. It'd be malpractice. And unfortunately, the advisory industry is the same way. Yeah, and it's refreshing to hear you talk about that, too, because I think, like you're saying, a lot of folks kind of go in on edge. Advisors can kind of catch a bad rap. I mean, we're talking about how to spot a bad one. But a lot of the good ones out there, Michael, I know that you like to do this in your office. I mean, we want to see you helped and we want to see you at ease. It really shouldn't be a stressful thing to meet with an advisor. It shouldn't be a stressful process to go to your doctor either. I mean, you should work with someone you feel good about and you feel like you can trust and really feel comfortable around and know that you're going to be getting good recommendations with along the way. That's why we always tell folks, you know, work with a fiduciary advisor. But we are talking bad signs, so let's continue down our list here. If the advisor does very little information gathering, that kind of goes along with that one-size-fits-all approach, or even that example you just gave with the doctor. I mean, if they're doing no information gathering before making a recommendation, that's, that's a problem. 
Yeah, and you're right. And 100% that that goes right back to that sales mode. Because realistically, if they're not getting information before they give you a recommendation, then basically they're just trying to sell you something. So, you know, the analogy I just gave you was the doctor, right? You come in and you just hand your prescription says, hey, well, that's unfortunately what happens a lot of time. And I wouldn't call it the advisory world, the broker world, the commission-based world. And it happens every day with brokers. You know, they know what they're going to offer you before they even hear the words come out of your mouth about what you really need, you know? And I think one of the things, having done this as long as that I have, is that, you know, I stopped doing this for the money a whole long time ago. You know, I've been, have a successful practice, you know, my family does well, but it's not at the expense of our clients. So I actually enjoy when we're sitting at the conference table, especially with prospective clients or very new clients, I enjoy just the back and forth of information gathering, finding out how they got where they were, what they did, what they used to do, you know, if they're retired or, you know, what they're doing now, if they're currently working. And you know, what's going on with their family? They have kids, they have grandkids. How involved are they with their family? You know, what kind of income? What are they going to use the income for if they need additional income? Is it just, you know, to make ends meet? And if so, is there some way we can improve that? Or is it really because they want to travel more, or they take the grandkids to Disney, those kind of things. To me, that's part of that information gathering practice because you, you spent your whole life saving all this money or, you know, planning to get to retirement. And then you want it to be enjoyable. These are your go-go years. You know, the early years of retirement, you want to be able to do all the things that you worked and scrimped and saved so hard for for your life. And, you know, that's what I enjoy. You know, so when I'm sitting across from somebody and we're doing this information gathering, and it's why it's not sales mode, going back to that other point, is because, you know, I see myself as, you know, I've got this financial arc, you know, so not to get all biblical on you, Mark, but I've got this financial arc and there's a limited amount of capacity, you know, which is clients that I can take on. So I'm vetting them as much as they're vetting me. Are we a good fit personality wise? Are we a good for investment philosophy? Are we a good fit? Because I know I can help them. And I've been doing this for nearly 20 years. I know I can improve their circumstances and provide not only better service, but just better genuine advice for their situation, regardless of what their situation is, than anybody else. Nobody's going to care more about their money than I do over the time frame. But it's got to be a good fit. So a big part of that information gathering should be them vetting the advisor, but also the advisors vetting them saying, hey, you know, are they a good fit for our arc here? Because this is going to be a long 20, 30 year relationship. And if they don't do any information gathering, then really they're just, you know, if it's 20 minutes of that and then dig right into some sort of recommendation, then in my eyes, it's kind of malpractice or just call it what it is. And it's basically a sales presentation. Yeah, I think that relational aspect you just mentioned there, that is huge. I mean, just having someone who really cares about you and knows your family, knows the grandkids' names, knows what's going on in your life, and is able to make a plan for you that's based around your life and your goals in retirement. I'll tell you what, actually, today after I finish taping this podcast, I'm going to go to the bank and it's I have one account with one of the big brokerage houses and I solely have it because their checking accounts are incredibly useful when you travel overseas. But I hate it when I step foot in the door. I won't say the name because that's not what we're about on the podcast, you know, trashing others. But I hate it because when I go in the door, every time I'm there to see them, I just need to do a little account maintenance and they're trying to sell me on a product and getting me to invest in another one of their, you know, branded investment vehicles that's ultra super top notch and it just gets old. They don't remember who I am. I'm just a number as I go in the door. And so I think that relational aspect that you're talking on here is huge. And that kind of leads me to the last bad sign that I want to go into. And that is if your advisor is the opposite of that, if they never communicate with you, if you never hear from them, that's probably a bad sign. 
Agreed. And in this podcast, I can only speak to our practice and the things that I've seen over nearly 20 years. And, you know, one of the things that I think I'm very proud of about our practice, and if you ask Deb or Karen, you know, who are administrative staff here, and they you know, are great with the clients and everything, is that no one will ever leave us because we didn't communicate enough with them. And what I mean by that is we offer monthly workshops, whether it's about topics like Social Security, estate planning, tax-free retirement, you know, so it's, it's for clients and, you know, bring a friend, do whatever you want. So there's always educational opportunities. We sent out a monthly printed newsletter. You know, it's far cheaper. You know, we spend over $1,000 a month just on printed newsletters to go out to our clients and prospective clients. Why? Because I know they'll read it. If I send them an email, 15% of them will open it and they're not going to get the meat and what's all, you know, good about the newsletter on there about current events and some, you know, smart financial planning and things. So we actually spend a significant amount of resources every single month just to make sure they get that physical printed newsletter in their hand. We also send with a podcast, two email updates saying, you know, for every two weeks when we release this new financial podcast for Retirement Matters, they get notified of that. Click on here or subscribe on iTunes and you'll be able to listen to that. You know, they get a birthday email, they get a birthday card. Thanksgiving just passed a month or so ago and, you know, we give away Thanksgiving pies to all our clients is just being thankful for their business. And, you know, some of them, since this is going to be in the new year, they'll already know. So this isn't giving anything up. You know, we send Christmas treats and sweets to uh, our clients as well. So the one thing, in addition to, you know, meeting a couple times a year, quarterly, you know, everybody's schedule is a little bit different based on how often they want to meet. Not only are we having the investment meetings and the investment communication, but there's all these other service related and reach outs, both physical and electrical uh, or electronic that we're sending out to clients. So no client is ever going to leave for lack of communication or lack of knowing what's going on. And I think that's honestly what, as advisors, they've entrusted us with their life savings, with trying to better their circumstances, and they're paying us to do so. At the very minimum, we owe them incredible investment advice that is, you know, educated and, you know, based on math and science, and just as importantly, a very high level of communication and service. Because if they're not getting that, I would say about 75% of all clients that we take in, you know, so this is millions and millions of dollars every single year, about 75% of clients that we transfer in from the big major wirehouses or the big banks and that isn't because the investments aren't doing well. You know, we're all buying a lot of the same stuff. The markets do what the markets do. The bonds do what the bonds do. It's because they never hear from their advisor or the only time they hear from their advisors because they're trying to sell them something. So they want a relationship. It's not about the product. You know, and as soon as our industry can understand that, it's about servicing your client. And it's about giving them good conservative advice. that's going to keep moving them closer to their goals. Once, you know, the industry understands that, the unfortunate thing is there's no money in service, right? That's the way industry looks at it. But I think it's just the opposite. Clients deserve it, and that's why we provide it for them. Well, Michael, you've just explained what it looks like to come in for a visit with you. I think you can speak to that relational aspect and what you'll be met with when you walk in the door. And it sounds like maybe even some treats this time of year might be waiting on you as you come in (laughs) the office as a client. But if you have more questions, if you've been listening to the podcast today and maybe you're left with more questions than answers, especially if you're in that boat of trying to get financially organized here in 2019, well, we'd encourage you to reach out with Michael Stewart and the team. Find out what that relational aspect is all about. Give him a call at 
815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. You can come in and have a complimentary visit with Michael Stewart and the team and, again, find out what it's like to have an advisor who communicates clearly with you, meets regularly with you, and develops a comprehensive plan for you that will get you all the way to and through retirement. Reach out to Michael Stewart and the team. And, Michael, as always, we wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we're looking forward to doing more of these podcasts in 2019. Well, Mark, I look forward to working with you continued in 2019 and Roll Tide. Roll Tide, indeed. I see what you did there. Hey, this one airs, this podcast will air in 2019, as we've discussed. By this point, the Tide could have lost. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Time will tell. Time will tell, indeed. Oh, boy. We'll certainly check back in on that in the next podcast. If Michael's really sad, you'll know that they did not do well. Oh, man. But can't wait to see how that all plays out, indeed. Again, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, everyone, and we'll see you next time on another edition of Retirement Matters. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.